Today we will be discussing the case of Geraldine Parrish, a woman believed to have powerful voodoo powers and could get anyone to do what she wanted. Maybe she did because she was involved in several murders to collect about $39,000 in life insurance policy claims. However, it was never proven that she laid a deadly finger on any of her victims. Hey y'all, hey, welcome back to another episode of Crime Time with the Fine Dime. I'm your crime plug, Charlie J, and y'all, we are on episode two, and boy, are y'all in for a ride, because this lady we're talking about today has done some crazy stuff and was getting rich off of it. So let's go right on into this case, and I'm going to give y'all all the details that I could find, honey. So today we are talking about Miss Geraldine Parrish. Well, she liked to be called, I guess, Sister Geraldine Parrish, but Geraldine Parrish is her name. She was born in 1936 and raised in a small town in North Carolina. Now, I couldn't find, like, the exact town. I'm sure somebody out there knows, but I couldn't find it with my research. And just like our last case, y'all, it's not a lot on her backstory, but it's a little more than... Uh, Gregory Green. It's a little more to her backstory, so we're gonna get into it. Um, it said that she comes from a poor family and had several brothers and sisters. Um, she called herself a storefront preacher and showed a lot of interest in voodoo practices and started performing rituals regularly and said she was a part of the church. I don't know if she meant the voodoo church or if there's a voodoo church. I'm not, I'm not sure, y'all. I tried to ask people to give me their um experience with voodoo or if they practice it because I know it has a negative stigma on it and I don't know if that's all it is but I didn't get anybody to talk to me so you know it is what it is I guess but she eventually moved to Baltimore Maryland and she continued to practice voodoo and when she moved to Baltimore, like, practicing her voodoo, she actually became pretty wealthy. Like, it was a lucrative business. She was having a lot of customers coming to her for her specialties in voodoo, and she was not afraid to flaunt her money. Like, she was born in a poor family, so when she got her money, she was like, look, I got to show it off. I worked hard for this. This my money. I'm finna spend it how I want to. And everybody finna see how I'm finna spend it. So she used to have fancy cards. And always had on fancy clothes. I'm sure her hair always stayed done. Like she was flaunting it. She always had the finer things. But in the 70s. Family and friends said she started showing signs of a superiority complex. Now. I don't know if y'all heard of it before, but I've never heard of it. I heard of God complex, and apparently they're different. So I had to look it up. So a superiority complex is basically meaning she felt she was better than any and everybody. That's basically it. Like, she was a cocky woman, so it just, she took it up a notch. So they're calling it a superiority complex. And no one really questioned her or challenged her for, I guess, respect. But I'm sure more so because of fear. Because she was well-known and a powerful voodoo practitioner. And, you know, they believed in it. So, they felt, it ain't no telling what she could do to me if I 
challenge her in any kind of way. So now eventually, Jardine told herself that she wasn't making enough money. Like, she needed more. She wanted more nice things. She wasn't happy settling with what she was getting. And she wanted it fast. She wasn't trying to do nothing. Extra. Well, I guess she was going to work hard for it, so you're going to hear about it. But <laughs> she wanted her money fast, y'all. So in the 80s, this is when she started convincing everyone she was somewhat close to. I'm, pro I'm talking about probably if she passed out on the street and said, hey, she was probably like, look, you got a life insurance policy. Because, look, you, you need to get one. You never know when you're... When is your time? You never know. She was probably telling everybody to go out there and get life insurance policies because and making her the beneficiary. So they had to have some level of, tr of trust to her or, I mean, they was just scared. They was like, this lady said, I don't know. I don't know, y'all, but. So I'm sure y'all can see where this is going, telling everybody to get life insurance policies. So she used her gift of persuasion to get eight people at least, that's what we know of so far. Well, you know, she got eight people to make her the beneficiary on their insurance policies. And this was the first step to get the ball rolling. Like, you know, this this what she had to do. I'm going to get these people to make me the beneficiary. And like I told them, you never know when your last day is. But they don't realize that it's coming real Real soon. Okay. So. Geraldine and her 20 year old contract killer. Made a plan. And honey. They started to execute it. There are a lot of people involved. So to avoid confusion. I'm going to go through each victim. Telling out their name. And as much info as possible on their murder. If you need to grab a pen and paper. Honey to keep up. Go ahead, because y'all in for a ride. It's it's a lot, okay? So, on November 12th, this is her first victim, November 12th, 1985, her 20-year-old contract killer, young fella, named Edwin Bernardo Gordon, made his first move. He killed a man named Frank Lee Ross, and this man was a friend of one of her sisters and now I am want to talk about another niece but I believe she had one of her nieces her name is Renee to lure this man to his trap so she had a niece that was riding with her you know I guess she probably was manipulated I'm sure she was to ride with her and you know do what she needed to do to get some get some change too like she saw her auntie with all this money she wanted some too but he was 46 years old when he died. Um, Gordon shot him. And when he died, Jardine quickly collected his money. Well, her money because she was the beneficiary on his life insurance policy. Wow. And she paid Gordon $2,000 for this murder. Now, y'all, I ain't trying to be no hitman or nothing. But if I'm going out here killing folks... And possibly risking, ain't no, ain't no possibly risking, I am risking getting caught. I'm going to need a lot more than $2,000, baby. I promise you that. Uh-uh. Because if I get caught, if I can't spend my money, my family need to be straight, okay? Because, mm-mm, that ain't enough. 
But I guess it was another day for him because he took it. And her second victim was, this happened on October 6, 1986. She arranged for Lionel Robinson to kill Albert Robinson. Now, they're not related. And her brother, Ronald Brown. So nobody was safe, y'all. Not even her siblings. Nobody was safe. Not her family, friends, nobody. Strange on the street, nobody. Um, I believe... Lionel shot them, but I'm not sure. Could have found an article on exactly what happened to them. But they died. She collected. The third victim, on March 6th, 1987, Edwin Gordon came back to earn another $2,000. Y'all, that ain't enough, but whatever. We're going we gonna to leave that alone. Anyways, he came to earn another $2,000 by killing Geraldine's 65-year-old housekeeper that lived with her. So I'm sure her name was Helen Wright. I'm sure she had all the trust in Geraldine, but she wasn't safe either. And at this point, she now received over $10,000 in life insurance policies. Now, this next victim is the definition of I'm not going out there easy, sis. I don't know who you thought I was, but mm -mm, you ain't taking me out there easy because just six months after the last murder she arranged, her um 29-year-old daughter, Dolly Brown, was another one of her victims. Now, she tried to murder her. And do another collection. So on September 19th, 1987, Gordon came and attacked her and her husband, 37-year-old Ronald Mitchell. Now, unfortunately, Mitchell did not survive. But to Geraldine's surprise, honey, Dolly survived the attack. And Dolly was shot in her head. Mitchell was shot too, but... Dolly was shot in her head, so I'm sure, shoot, I thought it was a kill shot, but Dolly survived, and this is not the only time Dolly would have to fight for her life, because I'm assuming Geraldine felt this is a challenge, like, sis, <laughs> I put out a hit on you, and got you shot in the head, and you had the nerve to survive, and I can't collect my coins? No. So we gotta put another hit out on you. So she put another hit out on Dolly. Two more to be exact. Now, Dolly was shot in her head again. Miss Dolly was shot twice in her head, y'all, on two separate occasions. Like, what? And she survived that too. And on top of that, on the third hit, they slashed her throat. But my girl still survived. Every attempt on her life, every last one, three times, two bullets in the head, and a throat slash. She's still kicking. Now, I know you're wondering, like, why didn't Dolly run to the police the first, second, or third time? And, y'all, it really was because of fear. Like, she had three hits out on her. And imagine if she told, like, and then this lady, she a voodoo priestess. Like, she has a reputation and not a good one. So, 
Of course, she was afraid. And many people knew exactly what she was doing, but they were too afraid to go to the police with any information. But after the constant failed attempts on Dolly's life, um, Gordon was finally arrested in May 1988 after a witness finally spilled the beans. Somebody finally, you know, got the strength to go to the police and finally tell what was going on. They were sick of it. And, honey, Gordon couldn't handle the pressure, and I couldn't either, especially if I only got $4,000. And um, this girl that I tried to kill three times and seen my face, I done killed her husband. Ain't no telling when she going to tell uh-uh, I ain't going down by myself. You got, you got another thing coming, and that's what Gordon felt, too. He was not taking the blame all on his own because he started to sing like a canary, honey. He told the police that Geraldine was the leader and planner of it all. With this info, they were finally able to arrest Geraldine and hopefully put an end to the terror she reigned on Baltimore. Now, you would think it'll be simple after this, but no, y'all. We found out more about Geraldine after her arrest. Yes. Now, sis was all about the dramatics. She wasn't going down easy either. Now, y'all, when I researched this part, I couldn't do anything but laugh. Not because of the murders. Please believe me, I feel horrible for these victims. Especially Dolly, because she survived it over and over again. Like, she, I'm sure, had to live in constant fear. But I laughed because I just sat there wondering, what the heck was she thinking when she was doing all this crazy stuff to get out of these charges? Like, she really thought this issue was going to work? Y'all, while she was being interrogated, she was barking and growling at the police, trying to tell them she had no control over her body. And after this didn't work, now I found this out watching um, that show on Investigation Discovery. I'm addicted to that channel. But this show called Deadly Women. Um, After the barking and growling didn't work, sis got up, like fixed her face fixed her lipstick and she was ready to flirt her way out she tried to seduce the police officers to help her escape to help her get away with it like girl she wasn't going down easy then i read an article saying she tried to say she was illiterate and couldn't count past the number one but miss girl sis that had to be a lie because you was cashing and counting and spending those checks and you was making sure your name was on all those life insurance policies. Like, uh-uh. And then it was also later found out that she got married eight times. And four of the times she was married was over the course of 18 months. 18 months. She definitely, like, they definitely suspected she was involved in more than four murders because in the safe they found in her house, I believe they found, like, 43 or 48. They found um a bunch of other life insurance policies, but they could only pin four murders on her. That was the only, I'm sorry, three murders on her and the attempt is all they could pin on her. Now... She was arrested 
and they of course go on a trial and because one of her husbands um was 77 year old ray phil gillard and after being married for just 15 days he died and left everything he had to Geraldine. So because of that, like, of course, they felt like she had to be involved in these murders too. Like, she had to be getting her hands dirty too. But they couldn't prove it. But he left his house, his money, and benefits, where she received $440 a month for his death. And it was said that he passed from cardiovascular disease, but there was no signs of cardiovascular problems in his medical records. Like, he was older, yes, but he had no history of what he supposedly died from. And also, after searching her home, like I said, they found other policies in the safe, like over 40. And then, in 1989, Geraldine was finally put on trial. She still tried to claim she was insane, but forensic psychologists said she was fit to continue her trial. And in May, Geraldine and Edwin pleaded guilty to organizing and committing four murders. She was then sentenced to eight life sentences. And while in prison, she was approached by an author, like, people was interested in this story because it was crazy. She was approached by an author to write her biography, but the author backed out. And she tried to sue them for $10,000. Baby, even while in prison, Geraldine was trying to get that bag. The homegirl was still trying to stay rich. It don't matter if she was locked down for life. Now, I was unable to find any info on if she was able to win this lawsuit or even if it actually went to trial. I'm not sure, but while she was serving her time at Maryland Correctional Institute for Women, she died in 2004 at the age of 68 from natural causes. So, y'all, that's the end of Geraldine Parrish's story story of a greedy lady like that was a crazy story and this was so interesting to me y'all especially her niece dolly because my good sis said she ain't going down easy and she ain't going out without a fight like she fought to not even to the end because she ain't die homegirl was fighting she wasn't finna go out like mm-mm. She wasn't going out. But this story was so interesting to me, y'all. Like, if I find even more details after I post this episode, I will definitely post all that information in my Facebook discussion group. So y'all go ahead and add me on all the social meets, okay? I'm on TikTok, Instagram. Now I just really post like trailers and promos on TikTok and Instagram. But if you really want to get into the conversation, like with me and several other followers, just go ahead and go to Facebook, type in Crime Time with the Fine Dime. It's a discussion group. Add yourself up in there and I'll go ahead and approve it. And we're going to get the discussion popping because this case was way interesting and I definitely want to know what y'all think about it and if y'all have other like facts about the case or even opinions post it i'm so interested because this case is crazy but i will talk to y'all later thank y'all for joining me again on crime time with the fine dime bye